Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 3, Episode 5. MoMA, Nadon, MoMA, Problems, Nadon. The book, Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina. Edited by Kevin J. Anderson. The year, 1995. With your host, Jeff and John. Let's go. The myth in the band looked like if the testicle had a butthole on it. Don't fucking try and explain a skater boy to me, okay? The young kids don't care for your jizz. They just want to hang around in their rooms and you're goth. Oh, ball sacks, <laughs> he says. It's time for Expounded Universe, the Expanded Universe Star Wars Novel Discussion podcast show god damn it you did it right on the first try <laughs> that's and you right. added an it's time for instead of like and welcome back situation oh yeah no oh, i know i know what i'm doing i'm a <laughs> professional here <laughs> folks this is me letting john do the intro because i am too tired to do anything yeah jeff's uh on the verge of a collapse from having baby times i've had so many wonderful baby times yeah because i have such a wonderful baby such a wonderful baby i mean i assume so i assume it's a wonderful baby <laughs> She squeaks when she's sleeping. <laughs> that's that's the full gamut of her personality that I've really been able to observe so far. Yeah, she's she's a sleep squeaker. That's it's a good trait to have mm-hmm. on the on the uh merits and flaws. <laughs> sleep squeaker. Minus five points, sleep squeaker. If you have to sleep in a secret place, you are more likely to be discovered. Also, sleep squeaker just sounds like a great name for someone. Like a band or, or for a person? Yeah, I can see that. Oh, yeah. Like a 50s guy. Like, I was going to say, like a Dick Tracy villain. Like, yeah. I'm the sleep squeaker. <laughs> so turn yourself in now, sleep squeaker. It's going to go rough for you. <laughs> ah, you'll never find me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he's falling asleep. And I'll use my two-way wristwatch communicator radio to catch him. I, somehow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week. Squeaking into a radio somehow. Tune in next week for the next exciting three-panel comic strip where you can't tell what the fuck's going on. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this week we read the tale of Moma Nadal. Momamume. (laughs) Fucking reference that only we're getting. (laughs) There's someone out there who's a huge fan of The Critic. Someone is a giant The Critic fan, and they're like, ah, Momamume. Me, (laughs) Momamu. I get it. Fetal deedle deedle. (laughs) Deedle deedle. So, so yeah. Thankfully, I read this before all the shit went down. Um, yeah, and, and I have my notes taken the morning that all the shit went down. I finished taking all my notes, so I'm, I'm actually looking at them for the first time. Two days, two days passed, and I hope they're actually okay. Huh. I'm sure they will be be better than my no notes, which I always take. <laughs> I take notes for this show, not the other ones. I don't know why. Probably because I we do it in such an ordered fashion. It's so orderly, yeah. And you have to actually just cover one thing rather than knowing a whole bunch of stuff from yeah. a book. And also, it's way harder for me to dive into diversions to hide the fact that I haven't read an RPG in like a year. <laughs> <laughs> I just read the back cover and go off what I assume is inside. I just go to EN World and read a review and say, I assume this person was wrong about this, and also they're dumb. I, I just go to RPG.net, find a review, say the exact opposite of whatever they said, and I assume everything will turn out for the best. No one's called me on it yet. Oh, no, wait, no. People call me on it all the time. It's been four years, and no one has complained except for everyone who has complained. <laughs> we don't count them, because fuck them. <laughs> Uh, so no, I took some detailed notes on the tale of Moma Nadon. Now, if you're wondering who that is, he's the Hammerhead. He's that uh, big Ithorian snail slug Hammerhead looking guy. Yeah, they're the dudes who look like they couldn't possibly put their shirts on. Yeah, I mean the guys who are relegated to only having button downs. Uh huh. They have button downs and like uh, zip up pullovers and stuff, but not pullovers. Never pullovers. No, no, they got them them zip up hoodies. Yeah, I got zip up hoodies. They're never going to be able to do that thing where they bundle their hands together inside of the one connected hoodie pocket. <laughs> uh, and so that is their deep and abiding sadness. 
<laughs> and I think that pretty much sums them up. I think they, they can't wear that one comfortable kind of hoodie. Yeah, pretty much that's what it says on Wikipedia about Ithorians. Uh, big weird head can't wear a pullover hoodie. They're very sad about it. <laughs> so things that we actually do know about Ithorians. Uh, they have dual mouths running down the sides of their big snail heads. Which is very strange. Uh-huh, but they can use it to sing in stereo with themselves. And even non-force-using ones can generate voices so powerful that they can crack the earth and stun people and stuff. Wow, that did not come up in this chapter, but nope. okay. Nope, sure didn't. Uh, the ones that do are Force-users, as evinced by a couple of com- or cartoons and stuff, can like generate waves of energy using just their, 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 their double-throated roars. <laughs> All right. Yeah, which is, which is rad, I guess. But uh, otherwise, what we know about them is that they are from an all-jungle planet. Yep. That they respect so much that they don't even go onto it if they don't have to. Oh, yeah. The whole thing with them is they've got, like, floating cities. Herd ships. Their whole deal is, like, their high priests are the best horticulturalists. Yeah, in the whole of the galaxy. Yeah, they love plants so goddamn much. They love plants more than you love anything. Even more than a fat kid loves cake. They love plants the way like your four-year-old son loves bubbles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God, bubbles! Or pretty much the way a dog loves anything. Yeah, you know, when you present a dog with something excitedly, <laughs> that's about as much as they love plants. Yeah. So MoMA is no exception. He is a plant-loving Ithorian. He is also the only live-action Ithorian I think we've ever seen. Uh, uh, maybe there were some in the Senate chamber. They, the, the Senate chamber is always where they hide all the aliens again. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, it's possible we saw some there. I can't think of any that showed up in the new movies. No, I don't think that we've seen one yet. We've seen so, the, the new movies seem pretty obsessed with not putting in old races again. Like, instead of coming up, they, they, instead they come up with stuff that's close. They're <laughs> like, look, we got a different fish head, man. Hey, you liked fish head? How about different fish head? Yeah, because it's easier for, for our uh, costume designers to design new costumes than to try and painstakingly recreate the ugly old ones. <laughs> also, we're, we're filming in really high def now. These look real bad, these old <laughs> costumes. True. But yeah, I mean, occasionally they'll throw us a new person, but not often. No. So, uh, so anyway... Moma here, uh, we, you'd remember him from the, the cantina. You could definitely see, he's got that big, very obvious hammerhead shark on top of a slug head. He's, there's no mistake in him. And, you know, being that he comes from a planet of all trees and their whole race loves plants, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, what's this guy doing on Tatooine? A place with no plants. Well, that's where our story begins. I'm just kidding. Our story begins with him having a drink with Muftat from the previous chapter. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything that happened in the previous chapter just happens again, but from Moma's point of view. Yeah, and, and he just basically thinks, what the fuck is up with Muftak? Muftak is acting weird today. Man, Muftak, he found out the name for his people. Yeah, that's the first thing he able to gets. go home. He's like, I'm a tall, a, a talls, a talls, I tell you. I guess they're probably having like a Jerry and George at the at the diner style conversation here. <laughs> oh, you're a Talls. I'm a Talls, Jerry. <laughs> I never met a Talls. Talls are wonderful people. I assume. Well, I guess. <laughs> uh, waitress, do you think I look like a Talls? <laughs> do you think I got any Talls up in here? <laughs> Can I pass for a Talls? <laughs> oh, you don't want to pass for a Talls. <laughs> Deeply dirty people. Liars and cheats, all of them. <laughs> Damn it, Kramer, quit being so racist. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Richards. I'm not acting at the moment. <laughs> also, I assume Talls is a code word for one of the many races I hate. <laughs> I just hope his name is actually Michael Richards. <laughs> yes. Good. You did it. I, I'm feeling very dull at the moment, John. <laughs> my senses, my comedic senses are not where they should be. It's fine. You've got all that oxytocin running through your veins. I love babies so much. You just love Babies. <laughs> give me a baby. Someone give me a baby. So give me that baby. <laughs> so, yeah, he basically has the uh, the same conversation he had with Muftak in the last chapter, but from his point of view, where he's like, man, Muftak sure seems worked up about something. Anyway, I'm sad. Yeah, he is both sad that he is on Tatooine and also upset when he finds out about uh, Lieutenant Alima. Yeah, because Muftak has done some information gathering, which... 
ostensibly is Moff Tack's job. Yeah. He's, an, inf- he's yeah. an information broker who has not been able to figure out what species he is. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a very good thing for <laughs> him. He's like, I don't even know what I am or where I'm from, but I get information. He sure should not print that on his business card, effectively. <laughs> Hi, my name's Muff Tag. Don't know what I am. Don't know where I come from. I'm Information is my game. <laughs> <laughs> now you've turned him into a Rick and Morty commercial. <laughs> That's good. I think every <laughs> incompetent salesman ends up becoming a Rick and Morty commercial in the end. Here we are once again on Tatooine, finding out some information about these Ewoks. Still don't know my name. Still don't know who I am. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Moma Nadon. Love plants here on Tatooine. No plants. <laughs> well, that's not true, because what we're going to establish is he knows who Lieutenant Alima is. And he's like, Alima, you're sure? Because he used to be a captain when I last saw him. And Muftak, let's let's be clear here. This conversation between the two of them is so genteel and like uh Brobdignagian, where like the two of them are just like, ah, yes, and the Ministry of Finance has once again relegated this. It's like they're having like such a, a gentlemanly civilized conversation that it seems silly. Oh, I love it. For yeah. a giant weird four-eyed moth monster uh-huh. and a hammer-headed snail man, I'm like, this is great. I'm fine with it for Moma, because Moma, you know, let's face it, he's the high priest of, of the 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 herdship Tafanda Bay, or he at least he was at some point. He's educated. But Muftak raised himself on tap. Tatooine. Muftak grew up on these mean streets. Yeah. He went to the school of hard knocks. He's like And the... also Harvard. <laughs> That's right. He went to Harvard, but he was just cleaning and reading stuff off the chalkboards at I went, first. I went to Harvard's of Tatooine. <laughs> it's... Mama, all, it's not your fault, Muftak. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you do this to me, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> I need it. I need that now. I need good Will Muftak. Good Muftak hunting. Ah, these good Muftak hunting. <laughs> oh, man. Cabe has to be like the Ben Affleck role. <laughs> you get the hell out of town, mister. Hey, I'm his friend. I'm his friend. I go to Harvard. <laughs> How do you like them apples? I'll tell you what. Ah, yay. <laughs> I don't like you, but you're my friend anyway. Woo. We're from the bayou. Ah, I got one tea. <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, Nadon knows Alima because Alima used to be a captain, a captain of one of Vader's personal ships, uh, a ship that apparently did something horrible to his his homeworld. But we're not going to talk about that yet. All we know is that ship went down, and that he has since he is in Moma has been exiled from his homeworld. Yes, he is very sad about that. He is deeply sad, and so he decides. Well, basically, what he tells Muftak is, "Ah, you're sure." And then, like I was saying, Muftak is. I don't know, in Muftak's own chapter, he wasn't quite as skilled as he is here. Because here he's like, yes, I can definitely tell you that Lieutenant Alima had a craggy disposition. A man who favored his left side as if he spent his youth being a a rower for Oxford, perhaps Battenshire. I could tell, as the stormtroopers turned away from him, he is not liked and yet still respected. And you're like... What the fuck, yeah. Muftak? He, he was like, his men don't respect him as much as they probably should. I feel as though he's on a decline. Also, the yellow plaster found around the tips of his boots indicates he was working in a milliner's shop. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, man, Muftak, you went all like a weird super private eye for a second here. And I I don't hate it. Like, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm no, glad. I, I like this version of Muftak better than the Muftak from his own book. In his own short story, he was a little boring, but here he's like friggin' Slylock Fox on the case. Oh, yeah. He's he's out there doing lots of cool stuff. I mean, I have to assume that at this point, he's basically like one of those I'm a super observant Sherlock type. He's got four but he's eyes. like, I, I haven't observed anyone talking about my species, and that's the only reason I don't know about it. Yeah, he's like Sherlock Holmes with four eyes and his space cocaine addiction instead of a regular one. <laughs> Yeah, he's chasing that crate dragon. He's going after that glitter stem. <laughs> so, so anyway, Muff, Muftak is told by Moma to sell Moma's name to Alima. Yeah. He's like, hey, just go sell him my name, get a good price for it, and then get the fuck out. Don't, don't get caught up in this. This is between me and him, because I remember him. Oh, he's a son of a bitch, and oh. I'm going to get him. And, but first, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go for a long drive in those hot tattooy nights. And so he goes home, and we, it's revealed to us. And then we get the opening credits to Hot tattooy Nights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, just some, like, Kenny G starts playing. <laughs> and he's just, like, watching fucking 
Ithorian drive around in a convertible and it's like <laughs> Momane Dawn, Tatooine Nights. <laughs> now I'm picturing the A3 song from the beginning of like uh, uh, what's that called? Uh, the show, the the the, the MTV co- mob show everyone liked so much. Uh, man, I don't know. There was an MTV mob show. Yeah, you know, it's, or not MTV, HBO mob show. Oh, okay, The Sopranos. Thank you, The Sopranos. We know like, that. Oh. It's it's bothering me that I can remember the name of the band that did the opening song to The Sopranos more than I can remember the name of The Sopranos. It's weird to me because when you said an MTV mob show, I was like, do you mean Jersey Shore? Yeah, it was definitely the real mob of of Jersey Shore, real mobsters of Jersey Shore. It was just a bunch of lazy people in tracksuits yelling at each other. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Darren, are we in the mafia? Hey. No, probably. <laughs> Who knows? I guess. Capicola. Gabagoo. Capicola. Uh. <laughs> so, but like on the Supreme, you know that woke up this morning song. That's the, that's the reference I wanted. Okay. Woke See, I was, I was more going for the Baywatch nights. I like that too. Yeah. Like it just plays a bunch of jazz and at the end. It's like. Tot Tatooine Nights is a Dick Wolf production. <laughs> uh, doink, doink. Picture, it's a picture of Lax Sivrak with both thumbs up. I'm Dick Wolf. <laughs> get it? Uh, get it? Do, huh? you, do you get it? I got a wolf head. We'll get to him. <laughs> I'm coming up later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wink. You'll you'll get this in a few weeks. Don't worry. So Mama Nadon goes for a drive on the... I, I'm so out of it that that name is impossible for me to pronounce. It's going to come out as Modon at some point. <laughs> I so, keep wanting to call him Momod Nadal. <laughs> Momod Nadal. I'm I, pretty sure I'm going to end up calling him Modoc before this is out. Probably? I mean, I don't know why. He, I I have had no problem with the other dumb bullshit names we have had to do so far, mm-hmm. but for some reason, just Momod Nadon is... Like, I have to consciously think of his name when I go to say it. Yeah, I think it's better if we put it into song form. Like, if we just go, hey, John, his name is Momonadon. Momonadon. Muftak and Kate. Yeah, so anyway, Momon Adon goes on a fun purple drive through the streets. I like this description of him going for a drive, because it's like, who goes for a drive in Star Wars? I I like it, and I like everything about Momon Adon. I'm going to oh, go he's ahead a rad and say, character. I fucking love this guy. Yeah. Because his whole deal is, he is very, very, like, reasonably angry mm-hmm. at the Empire. Like, he's... He's a, got rebel sympathies, he wears them on his sleeve. Yeah, he's been like part of the rebellion basically since he's been on Tatooine just mm-hmm. feeding information and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, he also is like a straight up pacifist. Yeah, and he's also crazy wealthy. Oh yeah, he's super rich and is like one of the only people that actually can manage to have plants and like a steady stream of water. He owns like a four bedroom house for himself and he has like a, a pond in his house on Tatooine. Yeah. No, the dude is rich beyond beyond measure, but he's so pacifistic and quiet that he's just like, eh, I just live here and I grow plants. I'm, I'm a cool dude. Yeah. He's not like, you know, a, a Jabba who's like, oh, I'm super rich and all I do is just fuck with people. Yeah. Yeah. So he decides to go out and clear his head, and get ready for what's about to happen. By going for a drive in his car, let's let's be clear. Right, that 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 alone sets him up as like the coolest dude we've met ever. He's just who, in a fucking else? Bel Air going through Tatooine. Once Luke sells his, can we name any character that owns a car in Star Wars? It's just him. Huh? Make sure that some of them have spaceships, but you need spaceships. Cars are the luxury of Star Wars. Oh yeah. Because you're like, oh, I'll just take my spaceship into whatever place I need to go to and then dick around there. Yeah, yeah. This dude, straight up rolling fine on hover wheels. <laughs> so he goes for a drive up into the north of, of uh, Mos Eisley, and he goes to the mountains up there, where there is, hidden behind in a valley, a grove of Sidorian driller trees that he has planted his very self. Oh, yes. And these are trees that he's like, oh, I need these. Because their whole deal is they drill way down deep to get to that moisture get that sweet Tatooine water they get it from there yeah so they're like okay these can actually survive in Tatooine because they can drill deep enough through the sand to get to for reals soil and water so this is where we realize that MoMA has not given up his personal interests in biogenetics and plant manipulation yeah he has a golden needle that he uses to stab a plant Mm -hmm. and take its DNA and then he like does an entire ritual of like Oh, plant, I'm so sorry I stabbed you. Yeah, so he, he follows what he calls the Ithorian Law of Life, which is that you can't destroy any higher e- in education plants 
Or higher intelligence plants. Not higher educa- education, education plants. plants. You dropped out of high school? Cap, cap. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, some kind of kindergarten plant? Fuck this plant. <laughs> you went to university? What university? <laughs> uh, Phoenix? <laughs> Blau. <laughs> uh, uh, MIT? You didn't go to no MIT. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I matriculated to chote. <laughs> you can go. You're a good plant. Good plant. <laughs> so, uh, well, you're weed, so you clearly went to the university. <laughs> you obviously went to Santa Cruz, yes. <laughs> so, all right. So he goes out and looks at these plants, takes some genetic material from one, and tells it what he's up to. He's like, oh, plant, which is this isn't a smart plant. He's like, oh, plant, I'm going to take this genetic material from you and splice it with a Tatooinean hubbagord, which is going to finally enable it to say its own name twice in a semblance of excitement about something. <laughs> hubbagord, hubbagord? <laughs> yeah, hubbagord, hubbagord. <laughs> you know damn well what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> it's the plant so nice they named it twice. Hubbagord, hubbagord. <laughs> We're never going to say Hubba Hubba Gord, are we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But Hubba Gord, Hubba Gord it also sounds like a Star Wars name. You couldn't tell me that's not some alien. Hi, I'm Hubba Gord, Hubba Gord. <laughs> I'm some kind of weird thing. Hello. <laughs> I sell hoverboards. <laughs> Welcome to Hubba Gord, Hubba Gord's Hoverboard Emporium. <laughs> anyway, he's going to put this... this uh... On the fjord. <laughs> okay, I'm done now. On the rubber fjords. <laughs> Uh, and I'm never bored. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, he, he tells this Sidonian driller tree he's going to take its snack material and splice it with a hubba gourd, uh, creating the hubba hubba gourd, which is a gourd that has super deep roots. And the hubba gourd is found all over Tatooine, but it sucks. It's so, just shit. Yeah, it's just terrible at being here, which is weird because it's native to here. But his plan is to make them even better so that the local Jawa and sand people can re- rely on these hubba gourds for all of their jokes about how big boobs are. <laughs> Look at the hubba gourds on that one. <laughs> I find that offensive. Uh, Utihi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Sand people are already ta- commenting on the size of passing breasts, aren't they? <laughs> We don't know. <laughs> sir, how dare you? Please, sir. I am just trying to get to work. <laughs> so, anyway, at this point, Moma lies down in the sand and looks up into the Tatooine night, and it's revealed to us that he has a perfect memory. Oh, yeah. For some reason, the cool rad brains that he have is... <laughs> It's a perfect memory. Yeah, he's got perfect memory for everything. Yeah, which is, I don't know if it's supposed to be an Ithorian thing or that's, if it's just him. That's what I was gathering, is he's like, oh yeah, I've got a big old brain, and um, that big old brain means I never forget anything. And I was like, okay, I figure that's probably Ithorian because you got a huge head. It felt to me like the author was just like, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to write this chapter uh, with a bunch of flashbacks in it and not have to like dim the flashbacks in any way. So I'll just say he's got an absolutely pitch-perfect memory and then just never write in past tense. Well, the the nice thing is it also means that all of the, like, the pain and the anger that he has, when he remembers what's going on, it's like it's happening again. So it's always very fresh for him. Yeah. So he lies down on the sand and has some memories. Him planting a tree with his wife, and then a snake makes a noise. (laughs) And then a snake makes a noise. I think it's called an acra snake or something. I don't. The notes are very small. Well. I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> using play, my usual notes. He plants nation. a tree and then a snake makes a noise. And then he looked at an apple once. <laughs> and then a snake made a noise. <laughs> lots of lots of noise making snakes. He, he stubbed his toe. Then a snake made a noise. <laughs> this is the problem with a perfect memory. You remember all the pointless shit too. <laughs> he was walking through the desert. And then someone was like, "Hey." Watch out for snakes. And then the snake made a noise, and 17 birds are flying by. One of them was a lighter brown than the other 16. I don't know why I remember all this, but boy, do I. Perfect memory. It's a curse, I tell you. <laughs> it is a literal curse. <laughs> a, a witch cursed me in the desert. <laughs> uh, perfect memory. Oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, he remembers his wife. He remembers a snake making a noise. He remembers drinking from a huge pollen flower. Uh, he remembers getting married, and then he remembers Captain Alima. Yeah, Captain Alima went and just f- fucked up his planet's shit. Yeah, I don't. Th- they split this story up into about four different reveals throughout the course of the chapter, but rather than following that, I'll just tell you what happened here. Uh, Captain Alima shows up one day with, in a full-on Star Destroyer of his very own, called the Conquest, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, hey, you, you Ithorians, 
teach me the secret of Ithorian magic so that I can keep my cereal crispy, even in milk. Yeah, I, I love that he shows up and he's like, I want your Ithorian technology. And they're like, uh, what? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> give me all the secrets of how to make Smurfleberry juice. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what? <laughs> and they're like, what do you want? And he's like, uh, any cool shit your plants can do. I want that. And they're like, uh, okay. This plant can make a snake making noise. <laughs> uh, this plant's got a big old bulb you can drink out of, I guess. These these plants have roots that go so deep. <laughs> so deep, they'll put your ass to sleep. <laughs> but be wary, for we'll wake up with a perfect memory. <laughs> such, <laughs> such is the curse of our kind. <laughs> but anyway, he... He basically, it's against the rules to reveal the secrets of Ithorian biogenetics to any to outsiders. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, Alima doesn't give up. He he straight starts fucking shit. He, like, goes out and he finds a a, a grove of sentient Baphor trees. Yeah, the Baphor trees are trees that become more intelligent the more of them get together. Yeah, in the exact opposite fashion to humans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like uh, reverse ninjas. <laughs> They are. They're like the opposite of ninjas, because ninjas get less competent the more of them there are in the shot. Yeah. Yeah. So, but basically, as long as you have at least seven Baphor trees, they're they're considered sentient. But, you know, the planet is covered with these huge groves of thousands of them that are completely, also have perfect memories and, ha- and know all kinds of cool wisdom things. Oh, yeah. And so that's like where the priests would go. They're yeah. like, oh, Baphor trees, tell me your great wisdom. And they'd be like... It's fun to sit still forever and grow in the sunlight. Sunlight is delicious. Have you tried this, my dude? <laughs> Attention, slug man. Chlorophyll is the bomb. <laughs> Have you seen the hubba gourds on that one? <laughs> I'll pointing at Tatooine. <laughs> I'll pointing at a hubba gourd. Look at those hubba gourds. Am I right? It's a shame its roots don't run so deep, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. <laughs> I'd Sidonian drill that. <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, you know what they say, leaves on the vine, play ball. <laughs> uh, so he he burns a, a whole grove of Baphor trees down, which is genocide, effectively. Yeah. Uh, but eventually he starts threatening that he'll just kill everybody on this herd ship of the Tafanda Bay. And so finally... Uh, the uh, Moma relents and gives him some secrets. We don't even know what they are. He just gives them. He just gives him some secrets. Yeah, he's like, "All right, uh, it turns out you need to feed them twice a day and brush them and water them." He's like, "Here's a gourd. Don't feed it after midnight." <laughs> he's like, "Hey, here you go. Here's a giant singing eating plant, and uh, you gotta feed it, Seymour. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna want to eat your dentist." <laughs> Boy, howdy, is it going to want to eat anyone named Mr. Mushnik? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, he gives him Audrey, too, and Alima fucks off. But that, as it turns out, was a huge error because the leaders of Ithor are apparently pretty cut and dry. They're oh, pretty, yeah. They, They're they, letter of the law types. Yeah, they don't have a lot of room for gray areas, so they immediately exile MoMA forever. Yeah, they're like, look, you gave out all of our cool secrets, and now the Empire can see why kids love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And that is a huge problem for everybody. Because it's all those cinnamon swirls of sugar. Up until now, the Emperor thought it was because they were all perfect uniform squares. <laughs> now he knows our secret, and there's no coming back from that. You need to go, MoMA. So MoMA fucks along. And he doesn't even get to take his wife. Yeah, so he is exiled, and so he picks Tatooine himself as an act of contrition. Yes, he's like, this plant looks like it sucks. All they have is hubba gourds. I'll go there. Yeah, he's like, this place has fuck all. It is the exact opposite of the place I would like to be. So as penance, I will go here. Yeah, but it's kind of a speedball grade penance because he just goes there and starts fixing shit for himself. Yeah, well, I mean, he's there and he's like, all right, so I'm here on this planet that sucks. Time to make it less suck. Yeah, so he has been spending the past several years hanging around on this planet, splicing cool plants together and generally being melancholy. And I fucking love his house. His house is basically just a giant green room and he is like the poison ivy of Star Wars. Oh, yeah, seriously. There's a point where he, like, asks some of his plants permission to kill a guy, and he's like, 
well, I'd probably use this plant to kill him, or this plant to strangle him, or this plant to poison him, and at which point he would stumble into this plant that would melt him. Oh, yeah. His entire, like, everything in there is like, oh, yeah, uh, I get water thieves all the time because I'm one of the only people with, like, for reals water, and I got all these plants that'll just straight murder a fool if they come yeah. in here. His pacifist nature pretty much ends at home defense. Oh, yeah. He's like, well, it's not my fault. They came in and went to my murder tree, and so they died. <laughs> so- Anyway, he knows that what, as soon as Alima knows that he's on planet, Alima's going to show up and kill him, basically. And so he, he sells his name to Alima, and then he goes up to do this last thing with the trees, and then he goes home. Yeah. He spends some time assembling the hub of gourd, gene splicing or whatever, and then, sure enough, Alima shows up for our first round of Let's Threaten Moma Nadon. Yeah, and, you know, Moma... True to his pacifist nature, doesn't actually end up trying to kill him. Although, there's a point where he buys a gun, but but that's after this first confrontation. Yeah. The, the first confrontation, Nada, or, or Alima shows up, and he's like, ah, I've found you again, have I, you big weird slug man? And and he's like, mm. I've been told that you know about these droids that I'm looking for, you piece of rebel shit. And then, uh, th- thankfully, Nadon's like, hey, weren't you a captain? How come you're a lieutenant? And he's like, are you insane? Being a captain under Vader is a death sentence. That shit's dumb as fuck. I got the hell out. Yeah, which, weird. Too smart of an Imperial. First buff tax, too smart. Now this guy. Yeah, this writer's like, no, everyone's competent. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, everyone's everyone's way up to speed. Way more up to speed than most people you meet in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so he's like, uh, I don't know anything about droids. Well, shut up, you. You will find those droids, or I'll kill all these plants and probably some more stuff. I'm going to come back in 24 hours, and when I do, you're either going to tell me where those droids are, or I'm going to blow up your whole goddamn house of plants, and I'm going to sew your eyes open and make you watch. And then, just to prove his point, he turns around and lasers one of the Baffor trees in Nadon's private grove. Yeah, he has seven, which is exactly enough to actually give them, like, sapience why didn't you just grow eight then you know like like it's not like this unless this secret that he sold to lima way back in the day was how many trees you need to make a baffor grove sentient <laughs> yeah uh, probably you probably could have just been like i put 10 there yeah i blasted two of them and ah they're still sentient uh-huh. <laughs> i showed you <laughs> but no he had room for seven so he had seven and now he has six and now they're his his tree grove is kind of dumb earlier he had asked them for permission to kill uh alima they were like he was like look this dude killed so many trees i'd be doing the universe a favor this he, is like me taking out a, a root boring weevil like this is this is getting rid of a pest in order to save a grove this yeah. is not a horrible thing you need to let me kill this guy and they're like no follow the way of life ho 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 we're apparently a grove of santa trees if you kill him you'll be banished to the island of misfit toys ho 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 don't kill a lima or you'll be on the naughty list and i'm checking twice for his body Mate, uh, my Santa sounds like a ghost. <laughs> oh, I'm the ghost of Christmas right now. I'm the ghost of Christmas trees. <laughs> oh, man, Baffor trees, if they were Christmas trees, would be a lot more interesting. Oh, yeah. Hang stuff on us. Quit cutting us down. Oh, no, you cut me down and put you put me in a place by myself. Now I'm basically just like... <laughs> so after the one tree is burned down uh, and... Alima triumphantly stalks off. He goes back, Nadon goes back to talk to the trees. And he's like, now will you let me kill him? And they're like, nope, I like fruit. I think no. <laughs> also, maybe bubble bath. Yeah. And you're like, okay, thank you. <laughs> they're not perfect, but they are still smart enough to be like, don't break the law of life. Don't do bad thing, bad thing, bad they basically turn into Santa Claus from uh, from the Santa Claus three. They they turn Jack into Frost. Santa Claus from the multiplicity Santa Claus, <laughs> and it's a copy of a copy of Santa. Santa Plicity coming to theaters next year, still starring Tim Allen apparently. <laughs> so Santa Plicity two, too many Santas. <laughs> Actually, it'd still be called Santa Plicity 2, Too Many Santa Plicities. <laughs> Santa 2, Many Plicities. <laughs> Santa Plicities. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, he he basically ignores the trees. 
stalks off to the nearest gun store, knowing that he's full well he's being followed by stormtroopers, and buys a gun. Yeah, I mean, he manages to lose them because he's yeah. like, yo, I know this place, and you all are just shitty stormtroopers that are here for the first time, so <laughs> whoop! He ducked behind one of those domes in the desert. What? Well, where'd he go? Well, he's right there, obviously. The domes are pretty far apart, and the only thing between them is desert. <laughs> and he's seven feet tall, and he's a slug. He's a giant, huge-headed Ithorian, and is the only one of his kind on the planet, so... Well, which way did he go? Hey, excuse me, have you seen a giant hammerhead dude? I'm uh, not the Ithorian you're looking for. <laughs> That's weird. Because, yes, you are. <laughs> Move along. Uh, uh, he buys the biggest gun in the gun store. Yeah, he goes and gets a big old, like, desert eagle of a blaster. <laughs> but it says a replica down the side. <laughs> so he basically follows Alima around and then confronts him from inside of a dark alley. But Alima just clowns his dumb pacifist oh butt. Because he's like, oh, how are you going to kill me when you're set to stun? And he's like, what? I'm set to stun? Oh, no! I got shot! I'm dumb! I'm a big dumb he, idiot! He gets shot. He gets stunned in the gut. And then Alima just runs over and kicks him in the eye a bunch. Yeah. Just beats the fuck out of he's him. like, you big dumb asshole. You big stupid slug shark. The only reason you're alive is because my gun was set to stun. Unlike yours, which you very obviously set to kill, you fucking idiot. You have eight hours left to find the droids, you dumb, dumb fuck. Oh, yeah. And he Every time Alima interacts with Moma, he's like, you are the worst, shittiest piece of crap. I know that you are a pacifist, and so I do not care. Yeah, he clowns him quite a bit. At this point, Moma decides to go do some work at home. So he goes home. He does a bunch of shit. He splices some things. He checks his... He has a bolt hole that he hides underneath a carnivorous tree full of skeletons. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'll just hide the rebels. I'll hide in here where I usually hide rebels. But but no, that doesn't feel right. It'd probably be better if I let my eyes get sewn open and watched all this shit get burned down, because then I'd have a good excuse to go home. Oh, yeah. He's like, look, maybe if that happens and I finally go home and tell my people about that, they'll stop being like, the way of life, I don't want to get involved, So and at, actually do something. So at this point, he decides, well, one last drink before I go over at that crappy cantina I know about. I need one last drink, because... As it stands so far, I haven't seen Ponda Baba and Dr. Evazon fucking get fucked up, so uh, let's go get a drink, shall <laughs> that, we? That shit feels like it's missing. So he goes to the cantina, sits down with Muftak, watches Dr. Evazon and Ponda Baba get fucked up by Obi-Wan Kenobi, just because we haven't described that happen enough yet. With a sound like tearing silk, a light sword erupted from nowhere, and then Moma made a realization, Obi-Wan's the one who has the droids. <laughs> And I'll, I could sell them to Alima, and all my shit would be done. I could, I could save my plants. I could save all my plants. But then Obi-Wan looks by, walks by, and locks eyes with presumably one of, of Moma Nadon's <laughs> eyes. It'd be really hard to lock eyes with both of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you had, like, lazy eye, maybe you could do it. I mean, he is the definition of a prey species. His <laughs> eyes are, like, eight feet apart. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Obi-Wan comes by and looks him in his one big gross eye and doesn't even say anything because I'm sure they weren't allowed to add dialogue to the main Star Wars actors. No. <laughs> but but conveys through a look, don't sell me out, you big slug. Hey, hey, you big weird shark slug, don't you do this. I just chopped off that walrus's arm for being vaguely annoying in a bar. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> this isn't a touching moment between the two of us. I am threatening you, you pacifist dick. <laughs> I will straight up cut... Your entire head off. I'll cut you halfway in half so I can teach my Padawan here to do the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pour salt on the remains. Ah. So uh, anyway, he decides that that was him being cowardly. He can't get out of his problem by fixing it. He has to go forward and face it directly. He can't get out of his problem by fixing it. No, he Thank can't. you. He cannot solve this problem by fixing it. This is one of those kind <laughs> one of... of this one is, of those problems where you can't solve it by solving it. This is a Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> <laughs> so, he... Oh, gosh. He goes out for a walk around Tatooine, and I stop me if I'm wrong. I think this is the point. I think You might go home and get threatened by Alima one more time. I don't know. But ultimately, the story gets a little repetitive here, so I don't care. Oh, yeah. He well, when he gets home, he's... Basically decided, all right, everything's going to get fucked up. I'm going to get my eyes sewn open. Whatever. That's fine. Yeah. But I'm going to try and get my research as far away from my house so that when he, like, throws a that's thermal right. detonator into it, 
at least my my work won't be destroyed. So he gathers up as much of his research as he can uh, and, and takes it out of the bar. And as he does so, he sees the 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 Millennium Falcon blast off into safety, getting away from all these Imperials that were looking for it. We also, when he's in the bar, he watches Greedo get killed because that's the other thing we have to describe over and over again. Oh, yeah. That he's gl- like, oh, if only I could be a, a rugged, handsome human that could shoot his problems away, but no. No, I am but a slug man that unlike is that, so pacifist. Unlike that filthy, sexy Han Solo with his filthy, filthy dick. With his <laughs> hot, filth sex. <laughs> I can't just shoot my problems and then throw credits at Wooher. I have to face them head on without my own filthy dick. <laughs> With someone else's filthy dick. So, but, but as soon as he sees it blast off, he's like... His filthy dick? He sees his filthy dick blast <laughs> off. It's 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 definitely a thing that Ithorians do. Yeah. It's their one defense mechanism is to blast their filthy dick at someone. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just see him loping slowly away. Oh, I definitely got away this time. He's back there eating my filthy dick. <laughs> Eat my filthy dick. <laughs> just leave it a dust cloud that's Ithorian shaped and a filthy writhing dick. Floppity flop flop flop. <laughs> like a fish out of water. <laughs> Oh, that's so dumb. Anyway, he, he he makes his way to an Imperial captain who is dressing down a bunch of stormtroopers for letting Solo get away. Yeah. Well, and Alima's he, there. Yeah, he's like, oh, the, the fucking Jedi and those droids and whatnot must have escaped because they were talking with Han Solo, and that's his ship, and all these guys were after them. The droids must have been on there. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, and so he basically goes... He he waits until the uh, the captain of the Imperial Star Destroyer that's that's here in Mos Eisley is like, you dumb idiots! Who the hell let this, let him get away? This is fucking ridiculous! I ought to kill each and every one of you. And then he kind of goes, uh, "Sir, Captain Alima was at my house last night, and he told me that he knew where they were and was planning to blackmail them instead of capture them." Oh yeah, he's like, "I told Alima exactly yeah. where those droids were. He didn't act on that info though." And he's like. Yeah, you're a big dumb idiot, Alima, because you came to my house by yourself, and if anyone checks the records, they'll see that you came to my house. Also, they'll see me being all beat up. Yep. He's like, oh, yep, he beat me up, and I told him all the information about those droids. Guess he just didn't act on it in time. Yeah. So the captain, because he's a good Imperial, just turns right around and puts three blaster bolts right into into Alima's chest. I mean, at least for Moma's sake, he was like, oh, uh, by doing this... Maybe I'll get Alima like arrested or court martialed, or maybe he'll demoted just, again. Yeah, maybe he'll just be in prison forever, but he won't be able to have the authority or any ability to screw with anyone ever again because of what's going on. Because he doesn't think like an imperial, but the captain, like you say, is just like, "Oh, you did this. All right, well, fuck your shit." <laughs> blast! 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 Just puts three meaty blaster bolts into his chest and fires wet gobbets of Alima all over the, the field. Oh, yeah. And fucking Momo's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is a scary situation. Floppy dick, blast off. Bow! Go, filthy dick, go! <laughs> all the Imperials are like, did that guy's dick just fall off and then he ran away? <laughs> Remind me to exterminatus their planet later. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he's... God damn it. He's got a, another self-defense mechanism that's like Batman, where he just makes his filthy dick go deal with the problem. <laughs> ah, dick but what, what if the problem can't be dealt with by solving it? <laughs> <laughs> Truly, that is the conundrum that Batman must never face. The Riddler! Here's a problem, Batman, that can't be fixed by solving it. It's my filthy dick. <laughs> this is uh, this is quite the episode we've got going right Guys, now. Guys, I've got about two hours of sleep in the past 32 hours. <laughs> there is nothing funnier to me right now on sleep deprivation than the idea of an Ithorian's filthy dick shooting off like a Nerf gun and then him running away. Why is it filthy? <laughs> Well, they're all into plants and stuff. I have to assume he just goes dick first into his work. He uses it like the garden trowel that he needs. Yeah. I got to plant some seeds. Time to fuck some holes into the earth. Oomp. I'm an Ithorian. Oomp. I'm going to carve me a land of Virginia. <laughs> and in the seed goes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what he does. 
So, uh, so at this point, Moma is apoplectic. Uh, no, he's not apoplectic. That's mad. He's beside himself. He is. He's super sad because he fucked up royally. But he sees the seed of his salvation in the the gross blaster holes of Alima, and out comes his filthy dick. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> no, he goes. He gets his golden needle out, and he goes over and takes some samples of Alima. Yeah, he apparently part of the whole way of life and everything is if you destroy something, then you have to plant three things in its place. Yeah, you have to plant two more. For each each head you cut off the hydra, two more grow back. Yeah. That's, so, that's the rule of plants in, on Ithor. Yeah, if you cut down a tree, plant two more trees, and yeah. that's their whole thing. So he's like, oh, I'll get your genetic material. Then I'm going to clone you twice, and then I'll teach your young sons not to be such assholes. <laughs> I'm going to name them Tulima and Athrima. So he promises himself that he's going to make two clones of Captain Alima and raise them as his own to be better people than Alima was. Yeah, and he thinks for some reason that this will let him back into his society as well. This is madness to me. I loved this entire chapter. I loved everything about the story. I loved it. I loved the resolution. It was a little obvious what was going to happen when the when the. Uh, Baffor trees went on to explain the second half of the law of life where they're like if it's a lesser being you must plant two if you cut down one and I was like oh okay I know what's going to happen to Alima now because cloning is a big part of Star Wars I was up to speed from the middle of the half but I still loved it I still loved the whole chapter and then at the end he gets a guy killed after he himself bought a gun thinking he would kill the guy and he's like yeah I'm definitely redeemed I'm a hero they're going to want me back home now because uh, I killed the guy they told me not to kill <laughs> Well, I'll he, just go home. I got out on a technicality. I didn't kill him. That guy did. <laughs> but that doesn't change what he did back at home. As soon as he gets back, they're like, you still sold secrets to the Empire. Like, uh, the reason that you were banned. The reason that you were banned is because you sold you, you gave away secrets about Ithorian plants to, uh, to some guy. Uh, and, and don't think that the secrets die with him. He probably gave them to the Empire. That's, oh, why yeah, he was there. That's why he was there. It's not like he wrote them down in his private journal and was like, Dear Diary, I learned Ithorian secrets today. <laughs> no one knows. Not even Vader. <laughs> Brad is so cute. Now i got to figure out how to get demoted to lieutenant without being killed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Gross incompetence. I won't tell them any of these Ithorian secrets. <laughs> so... But yeah, it's such a weird turn at the very last minute. He's even like, I am gleeful in this moment, for I am going home. It was like, how? What, what did you? Is it self-imposed exile? Like, is it like, you're exiled, but you decide when you need to come back. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he, for some reason he thinks that going back and being like, guys, guys, I'm cloning the dude who fucked all of our shit up. And they'll I'm, be like... That sounds great. Good job. That's all we ever wanted. I make I made two of the guy that fucked all of our problems, and I'm going to have him live here on Problem Planet. <laughs> what could go wrong? This judge from the 80s sitcom thought it was a good idea. <laughs> now his two clones are my butlers. <laughs> to Lima, bring me the coffee I require. <laughs> Bud Light Lima. It's just a weird ending. I mean, I know they needed a way to wrap up the story, but him just being like, and now I can go home. I was like, I, I guess. No? <laughs> no, you can't. Is this chapter going to end with anyone, or this book going to end with anyone deciding to stay in Mos Eisley? Uh, I mean, I have to assume that pro probably the bartender <laughs> is like, <laughs> yep, I'm a bartender and I'm going to remain a bartender. I work here. That's what I do. I'm staying here. Well, I can give you a preview of uh, what's up next week, John, which is the bartender's tale. Oh, good. Uh, and and uh, I, I won't give you any more than that. So stay tuned to find out whether or not that's true. Ooh, baby. Yeah. Who knows? But, but yeah, so far everyone's been like, and now I can get off this filthy sandball. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's end game is let's get the fuck out. I just want one story to be about some guy who straight up loves Tatooine. <laughs> Just walk around. Boy, howdy, do I love Tatooine. It's the best. <laughs> My favorite place is a filthy bar in Tatooine where no droids are allowed because I'm allergic. I hate droids, but I love filthy bars and <laughs> Moma Nadon's filthy dick. <laughs> do you love Moma Nadon's filthy dick? <laughs> sure, we all do. <laughs> Buy this two. This two. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh, okay. 
How are we doing on time? I'm not used to not having the computer in front of me. Yeah, we're good. We could probably wrap up now. Who gives a shit? <laughs> John, what did you think of the chapter? I loved everything. Like I said, I absolutely love the character of Momana Don. It's nice to have a pacifistic character dealing with the Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also just the way that the Empire would think about a pacifistic race mm-hmm. where they're just like, oh, who? I don't need to go there with like Stormtrooper backup because who gives a shit? What's he going to do? I love the part where he's like explained to the Baffor trees how he's going to kill Alima. He's like, no, I wouldn't shoot him. That's stupid. I would use the tree I grew to poison things, to poison him. Look, or- I've, got, I've got a plant that shoots needles, and the needles are poisonous, and all he needs to do is get near them, and then I'll mentally command the plant to shoot him. That's different than firing a gun at someone, right? Come on, you trees. What about just my flower over there? When it barks, it shoots bees at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love his weird plant house i love the one plant he has that like it, it's basically the vines from labyrinth or whatever where he's like move move and the, and the vine like vines like pull back to reveal like four hanging skeletons oh yeah at least clean up the skeletons moma no man that's great he's like oh well they're already dead i may as well have this carnivorous plant eat them <laughs> well, he did eat them there's just their skeletons are left you don't know maybe, maybe that plant this, needs calcium needs them bone meals <laughs> needs needs all that good marrow. Yeah, it needs all them meals of bones. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I like the chapter a lot, too. I think this was my favorite chapter we've seen in this book so far. I like the character. He didn't feel direct. I mean, sure, he was a rebellion sympathizer, but it didn't feel like he was immediately going to run off and join the nearest rebellion. Uh, we didn't see a guy pop up halfway through who was like a white human named like, Hi there, I'm Jake Dawnstar. <laughs> I love rebels. Yeah, I mean... He was already a rebel sympathizer, and he wants to get his people on board with being for the rebels. Yeah. But he's not like, yeah, now some guy has told me it's rebel time, and now I'm going to go be rebels, man. There's no off-brand Luke Skywalker in this chapter. No, you don't get like, hi, I'm Deck Fatcock. (laughs) (laughs) Deck Fatcock. Yeah, and I'm I'm here on behalf of the the rebels, and we we heard you've got a trick that we might need. What was my character's name? It was like Dace Cool Penis or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Ace Cool Penis and Dank Hardcock. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I needed to hear. That's all we needed. We brought those back up. I, I do not remember jokes from prior to the 17th. <laughs> I remember nothing prior to this situation. <laughs> so, uh... There you have it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, we have been the Expounded Universe podcast from the System Mastery Network of the One Shot Network. <laughs> we uh, have bonus content coming up. If you are a subscriber, you go to patreon.com slash systemmastery. If you support us at the $2 or more level, then we will have bonus content for you right now where we discuss... Things of interest that uh, caught our eye based on what we just read, and we'll be deep diving into that Wikipedia and bringing knowledge to the people. Yeah, I'm about to head to Wikipedia and look up filthy dicks. (laughs) Who's got the filthiest dick in Star Wars? Oh, weird. Do I want to go to canon or legends filthy dick? (laughs) Well, canon, it's Vader. Canon Vader has the filthiest dick. I don't even remember if he has a dick. I'm pretty sure he don't. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that got melted off. Canon, it's Jabba. Well, I think Jabba is a filthy dick. Jabba is. He's what happens if you don't stomp on an Ithorian's filthy dick after it falls off. <laughs> it turns out the huts are all just Ithorian dicks. <laughs> they, they've been left in the wilds for too long. <laughs> oh, we have to stomp that dick before it becomes truly unstoppable and buys a rancor. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they ever want. <laughs> just get a rancor. I don't know why. They don't have brains. What do you what do you want from me? Uh, and then uh, Legends, I believe the filthiest dick belongs to uh, Corin Horn. <laughs> Obviously. Because that dude fucks around. <laughs> that guy gets <laughs> around. He pulls it down, let me tell you. You he would not it. believe the trim he pulls down <laughs> in that X-Wing. What I can tell you, filthy dick. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Of course, if you want to listen to any of our other stuff, you can go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Find all of our amazing shows there. And if you are subscribed to our Patreon, you get a feed 
available there where you'll get all of our shows in one feed. You don't have to worry about subscribing to a bunch of different stuff. So that's one of the great bits from there. Yeah. Plus it has all the bonus content right in that feed, which is the best part. Oh yeah, you don't have to worry about trying to download stuff from Patreon. You can mm-hmm. just get it straight through the feed. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as always, I think we're probably all set here. Thank you so much for listening. Keep supporting because at this point you are literally keeping my now alive daughter alive. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, you're keeping his daughter Elan Sleaze Baby Gano alive, <laughs> and she loves death sticks.